Hello and welcome to the MVP, the Mass Violence Podcast, the official podcast of the National Mass Violence Victimization Resource Center. I'm Dan Smith, the NMVVRC Director of Resources and Technology, and I'm absolutely thrilled to introduce today's special guest, former Charleston Mayor Joseph Riley. Calling him a former mayor, though, is a huge understatement because Mayor Riley is an institution. He was first elected mayor in 1975, and he served in that capacity continuously for the next 40 years, winning election 10 times, usually in a landslide. He has won countless awards for civic and urban leadership. For example, he was named a recipient of the National Medal of Arts by President Obama, served as the president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, led Charleston through the devastation of Hurricane Hugo and its aftermath, and spearheaded numerous redevelopment efforts that transformed Charleston from a struggling small city to one of the world's most praised tourist destinations. Near the end of his final term in office, though, Mayor Riley had the unenviable task of guiding Charleston through the Mother Emanuel Church shooting, during which a racially motivated white gunman killed nine African-American churchgoers after participating in Bible study with them. Charleston's response to that tragedy was seen as exemplary in many ways, and today we're going to be talking with Mayor Riley about how the city responded, how Charleston did or perhaps did not actually prepare for mass violence, and what lessons he'd like to share with other civic leaders. Mayor, it's truly an honor to talk with you today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You're very welcome. So I, I actually am curious, how did you first hear about the Mother Emanuel shooting? I was home. It was uh, after dinner. It was uh, 9.20. I was reading and uh, the phone rang. It was the uh, chief of police. Okay, so the police chief is the one who, who calls he the called mayor me about those and, things. Uh, and he said, um, Mayor Riley, we had a shooting at, at uh, Mother Emanuel and it appears that there would be some fatalities. Mm. That's all he told me and, and, and what he really knew at that moment. Um, that's how I found out. Okay. And after getting news like that, what are some of the first things that you as a mayor do? Well, the first thing I did was say to myself that everything I did that evening and forward had to be perfect. Uh, the next thing I did was uh, it had been very hot, the hottest day of the year. I remember. And um, so I thought about what I should wear, what kind of clothing. I had on leader shorts and a t-shirt. And um, I looked in the closet and said, you need to wear a suit and a tie. And because the clergy who come to the church will be dressed. Mm -hmm. and, and I had to show the utmost respect for the congregation mm -hmm. and the families, and uh, and and just to not not let up, uh, know that your responsibility, as best you possibly could, would to be perfect in in everything you said and did. What what um, was the source of that thought that everything had to be perfect? I guess the source was my. My experience as mayor, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's uh, you just have to. That's your duty, and um, and one of the first things I did is I got to the scene. We didn't couldn't get into the church. Mm -hmm. That was a police um, barricaded, 
And, um, but I began to get the picture of what happened because there had been survivors that could recount the horrible deeds. And, and I had to wait a while because the police were going through carefully the crime scene. And, uh, and, um, and I, I said, what is the exact right thing to say? You know, something like that, you mm -hmm. can come off very trite mm -hmm. or whatever. So I had some time to think. I'd brought a little steno pad with me from home, just as a natural reaction, and I kept working with words. And then I came up with unspeakable act that would, you know, that wasn't trite, mm -hmm. but uh, anyway, uh, and then just um, just kept, it was at a, at a high level of, of tension, uh, obviously upset with the heartbreaking news, and, and it, it, it unfolded because we knew there were some fatalities, and I got to the church and it was eight, and then a person had passed away on the um, EMS vehicle. Mm -hmm. And then I knew the, the pastor well. Mm -hmm. He was in the state senate. And actually, I was the honorary chair of the committee to raise money for an elevator for the church. The church was up two flights of stairs, a flight mm -hmm. and a half, but it had no elevator. Uh, so I'd been working with him on that, and we had a nice relationship. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I knew he was in the Senate, and the Senate was in special session. It was the summer wrap-up of the, the session. So I knew he was flying back from Columbia, mm -hmm. you know, at 100 miles an hour to get to the scene. And, um, and as time was passing, I asked one of the police officers, uh, one of the leading command staff, I said, has uh, Reverend Pinckney arrived yet? And he said, Mayor Riley, Reverend Pinckney was in there. Mm. So then the, the, the beginning of the full gravity, because uh, it went from eight, nine parishioners to someone I knew very well, I had been mm -hmm. speaking with that week, and then it turns out I knew, knew the others, and um, so it, it, was, uh, it was heartbreaking, and um, it, it mm -hmm. was, you know, the, just a challenge that I had not expected. Yeah. But I knew I had the duty mm -hmm. for the citizens of my city uh, to, to seek to achieve perfection in what we did and how we responded. Had there been any um, sort of planning ahead of time? Did Charleston have sort of a community preparedness plan for a, a mass shooting incident or anything like that? Well, you know, we... we I knew in my job as mayor that my first responsibility was to have a great police department. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So that was always the top priority, bringing the best people. We had the best paid police staff in the country. Almost every one of our police officers was a college graduate. Um, we had great police chiefs as we did mm -hmm. at the time of this tragedy. And the first duty for the citizens is to give them quality police force just to help ensure safety and, and the reality of safety and the, the expectation of safety. Mm -hmm. you, you live a happier life in a community if you feel safe. So we Absolutely. invested heavily in the quality of our police department. I knew many of the, the top leaders of the department 
uh, very well. And um, so I didn't know they had done this, but after um, the shooting at, um, in the Northeast, where all the kids were killed. Mm -hmm. In Connecticut, in the school, Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook. Um, I mean, no one to me, I police never, they didn't come to me to say, Mirai, hey, what do we do? And, um, but they um, knew to set up a protocol to contact family members if there was a mass violent act mm -hmm. uh, experience. And um, so they had done that. I didn't know that. Lieutenant Broughton now, Assistant Chief Broughton, was in charge of that by Chief Mullen. And, um, and that turned out to be more important than, than a listener might realize. Because when there is an act of mass violence that is so turbulent mm -hmm. in the community for all who, who live there, it is those family members and those connected must find out about this with, with great gent gentleness and care. Because mm -hmm. the early moments after a, a, a serious event, whether it's a, a, a sudden illness or an injury, or interest to the community, the early moments are very important. And so our great police department had set up a protocol. So then uh, Sister Chief Broughton and Naomi um, brought into action mm -hmm. their protocol. So the shooting occurred at 9.05. Mm -hmm. I got the word at 9.20. No press was involved. No press knew, they knew there was a shooting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to let anybody know until the family knew first, and then we tell the, commun the community in, a, in an organized way. And um, so they reached out to the family members, a, a large circle of family members and parishioners who were connected with those who were at the Bible study. They just knew they had a loved one to the Bible study and they had been mm -hmm. a shooting. So at 11.20, two hours and 15 minutes after the shooting, in the hotel ballroom around the corner were 250 people assembled mm -hmm. who were that, that range of, of kin or friendship. Wow. And, and Chief Mullen told them what happened. I always, in these kind of events, I always let the police chief speak. I never mm -hmm. like it when mayors, you see an event, and all of a sudden they, they assume that they're the all-knowing, you know, and all of that, and, and, and put on a flak jacket or something like that. It's kind of phony, I always thought. So the police chief was a spokesperson. I was there with him, so there were 250 people, and he said we had a shooting in Mother Manual, and there were nine fatalities. So at that moment in that room, mm -hmm. 250 plus people knew that their friend or loved one had been killed for the first time. And the, every possible sound that a human can make in a time of complete despair and sorrow, the cacophony of those sounds fill that room, mm. wailing and weeping and crying and pleading and, and, um, and then I said, we now, we're going to hold hands. 
and we're going to pray together. And they did. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we hugged each other. And they did. And we did. It took a while. Mm -hmm. all, we, it was in that intimate setting that, that was foundational for those people in terms of how they came to know this great tragedy. And then we had a, a press conference at 12.20 a.m. Active shoot to 9.05. Um, and then uh, it was Chief Mullen and, and me there. So the community did not know what had happened mm -hmm. except there had been a shooting at the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chief Mullen again gave the details and then I explained. And, um, and I said, uh, this was a hate crime. Mm -hmm. Get that out right away. Mm -hmm. It's a hate crime. Uh, a bigot came into the sacred place and killed people because of the color of their skin. And we're going to catch them. And we did. Mm -hmm. And less than, you know, 16 hours, mm -hmm. uh, we caught them. And then I said that the way we will deal with this in our community is through love and caring for each other. And, um, and, and that's what the community did. It was really something. The, um, the next morning, before the sun rose, there were people of all colors and backgrounds and experiences in front of that church. Mm -hmm. Many had never been to that church before, found it in the news where the church was. And they came to hug each other and, and weep together and pray together and later on the day to bring flowers. And, but it was, it was this wonderful, uh, uh, natural response of love mm -hmm. and, and heartbreak. And that just, you know, kind of laid a foundation of, of how the community was going to respond. Mm -hmm. Because the community had been devastated. The, the, the community was heartbroken. Mm -hmm. uh, the community had lost something that you couldn't imagine you mm -hmm. would ever lose and there would be an act of, of utter hatred that one would never observe. And one mm -hmm. thing I did say on TV that night, which I thought was very important, was that the killer was not from Charleston. Mm -hmm. He was from a community about 110 miles away. Mm -hmm. And that was important because it, it, this wasn't a home growth, and this wasn't a community uh, person who, this, this, this hadn't, Turned wasn't, on his own it, people or it wasn't incubated mm -hmm. in our town. It was someone mm -hmm. from away mm -hmm. that brought this violence to the whole community and in many ways mm -hmm. uh, to our country. And you think, do you think it would have been harder for Charleston to sort of react the way it did with, I mean, I, I lived here at that time and I remember very well the kind of emotion you're describing both as a reaction to hearing the news and um, sort of in response to 
well, now what are we going to do about this awful thing? Are we going to have riots or are we going to not have riots? And, mm. and, um, do you think that would have been different had this person not been from the Columbia area and been from Charleston? Well, you know, that's a, a hypothetical that mm -hmm. I think is extremely unlikely. It just, okay. it just wouldn't have happened. There wouldn't have been, you know, it just, we, we, we wouldn't have produced that. Okay. It, there was too much going on in the community and, and, and positive uh, mm -hmm. friendship. Mm -hmm. Maybe a group disagreements of, of matters. And, mm -hmm. and um, one thing that, you know, you, you um, in disasters, you're caught where you were then. Mm -hmm. You can't. You can't start preparing. Mm -hmm. You you catch where you are, um, and uh, so our community had been working hard over the years together in addressing concerns and and disappointments and and um, in responding to any apparent slights or. Um, Lack of friendship or whatever, so and incivility um, kinds of stuff. Pardon? Incivility kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and so, so what? What we, what our community had created, and what we created, was it was a place where, you know, there, there were not substantial pockets of alienation, and um, it was our community. And, and someone asked me that. You know, and why? And I said, you don't. Why? Why? Hide, why did it not break out into violence and all that? I said, you know, and riots and fire. I said, you know, if something heartbreak happens to you, you don't go break something in your own home. You don't smash something that's a value to you. You, you you're not going to mm -hmm. harm your home. So this was our co home. And, and, and people weren't going to do that. The home had been violated, and, uh, and so they, they responded, and, you know, and the, the shooting happened at 9.05 on Wednesday night, Friday night, less than 48 hours. We had a wonderful vigil mm -hmm. at the arena mm -hmm. around the corner, and, um, and you, just, you just saw this, uh, you know, racially mixed group of people, 5,000, Praying together, holding hands, wiping each other's tears, um, expressing love and sorrow, and uh, you know they were they were bonded. Mm -hmm. So the community, and and I think just in terms of responding to actual mass violence, the the preparation is important, mm -hmm. and you prepare in many different ways. Mm -hmm. You prepare formally as. Assistant Chief Broughton did mm -hmm. uh, with the right, learning about Sandy Hook and that's understanding right. the yeah. notification protocol. That's right, right, and all of that. And then you 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 prepare through your daily lives, and um, you know you 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 you're ready. Emily um, Dickinson said something, you know, about you um, people, which I do, get ready for the hereafter by going to church on Sunday. And some people are going there all the time. Well, you know, you just so you're you 
Um, so the community's preparation in many ways was its, you know, basic goodness and, and connectedness. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with the, the police department was ready, and and we and the, and our police department also had the technology to get up on the um, in the church where the camera was that was not very sophisticated film, and piece by piece take it apart and take it to the police department lab that night, and were able to get the image mm. of that horrible man and get that out in the national media right away, which mm -hmm. enabled him to be caught. You know, and and him being point. caught was very important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned the police department was well prepared for um, this, sort of the crime response to this, and the community was also just sort of um, almost characterologically um, prepared. Um, were there other civic agencies um, or... Uh, when when mass violence happens, I think people tend to think only in terms of like, well, the law enforcement is doing their thing. But so many other times there are other community services as well. Um, even things like, well, because I know that hundreds of people descended on the nearby hotel and on that area. Um, we need, they needed places to park. They needed food. They needed information. Um, were there other civic agencies that were, you think, well prepared or, or that are important to? Well, I think they, I think they're, they're prepared by just by, um, uh, by, by being engaged in a community. Obviously, what what uh, what the Medical University did, mm -hmm. and and their, um, you know, the, the Department of uh, Mental Health, and uh, was you know had been working on mm -hmm. these kinds of things mm -hmm. for years, and, and those, those uh, trauma uh, responding to skills were ex extraordinarily important. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've had, um, you know, we've had uh, Parkins and, and other disasters, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether it's the, the Red Cross or the um, other, you know, the food banks and uh, those kinds of mm -hmm. things, they, they were, you know, they were, the community was nimble. It had all these these capacities. Mm -hmm. Had really planned to do this, but it's like um, you know, like you you taught when playing in football in high school is you're you're on your toes. You're on your defense. You're on your toes. Yeah. You know whether it's coming from right or left, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But don't be flat-footed. Well, right. the community wasn't flat-footed. Right. It was on its toes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's an interesting analogy because. Um, you know, when you when you try and talk to some civic leaders about preparedness, and you know, do you have any confidence in your community's ability to respond appropriately should mass violence happen? Sometimes the answer you get is, "I think so, but that's probably not going to happen here." You know, that's you know just so unlikely. Yeah. Um, and then you have a community like Sutherland Springs, Texas, which is you know, super small, um, but they have a, a, a massive mass violence incident in their community. And I just, I wonder if you have any um, words of wisdom or guidance for uh, other civic leaders out there about whether to prepare, how to prepare for something as unlikely statistically um, as a mass violence incident? Well, I think the Center for Mass Violence for, for our country is, is a 
doing and, and would increasingly do a great service because it, it uh, you know, we had hurricanes here and, and then, uh, you know, mm -hmm. really challenging big events. And I think just to, to get into the um, national consciousness that, um, you know, we might just really ought to be prepared for bad things happening, mm -hmm. even though we don't expect it will or whatever, mm -hmm. but we, you know, we, we, we have to be nimble and mm -hmm. we have to be ready and we should be studying what other communities have done. And, mm -hmm. and again, as, you know, Sister Chief Broughton did, but from the Sandy Hook experience, okay, have a, a family uh, response network set up. Um, so I think there's a, a whole lot of the lessons and uh, to be learned mm -hmm. and um, experiences to be just shared with mm -hmm. other communities that will that have them uh, better prepared for uh, something terrible like mm -hmm. this happens, mm -hmm. hoping all the while never will. Yeah, yeah. So um, do you think that uh, had now Associate Chief Broughton not had that sort of studied up on Sandy Hook, that um, Charleston would have floundered a little more with notification and, and those kinds of issues? Yes, I think so. I yeah. think it, we would have, you know, that's one of the things that you, um, you might not think about first off, but it's, oh, no. you, yeah. you know, you, you just never know the, the, um, the, uh, the rawness of people finding out that the loved one was killed in a church on the radio mm -hmm. as opposed to the family members having been together with their fellow parishioners when they found out this unbelievable news. Mm -hmm. you, just, you just never know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, I, th I really feel in this community that made a big difference. Mm -hmm. so that was a, an, uh, an instance of a public safety agency uh, having the great leadership, Chief Mullen and, and Naomi Broughton, to, um, to, to know that this, this protocol needed to be set up and mm -hmm. it did. It made a huge difference to those, to the lives of those people. And you don't know the, the scar that someone, emotional scar mm -hmm. has when they find out that their loved one was killed in a church, mm -hmm. you know, riding down the street in a car as mm -hmm. opposed to having tragic news being broken to them in a place where they could immediately be loved and consoled and, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. And of course, after the sort of the horrible news of the shooting, the community also um, played host to trials of, of the shooter um, that were kind of big news, heavy international and I, I suspect international media coverage. Um, now, I don't think you were in office during the trial, right? Or, because I think that happened after the election, probably, yeah, yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think uh, you probably yeah. did. Um, but uh, you know, was that something that you guys began planning for or, or thinking about early on, or did you just kind of wait and see about how to manage the well? The sort I of think circus atmosphere uh, of the you know, I, th I think probably uh, you had a little time to prepare. Yeah. So there was a, you know, helping, you know, funerals and right. And, and uh, you know, we had, um, we, we, a lot of money was raised and we, we worked hard to uh, set things up. And uh, one thing we did right at the very beginning was able to tell the family members, we can take care of all funeral expenses. Money came in 
and we and beginning that night at the uh, you know at the ballroom, mm -hmm. told people, okay, we are, we you know, this is a police officer, this representative police department, uh, Jones, he's your contact, mm -hmm. whatever you need, and so um, so they didn't you know, and yeah, we, we did all kind of wonderful things. Mm -hmm. It might help someone in the families was having their car repossessed. We took care of that, mm -hmm. and every every penny needed for the funerals were provided for. So it was um, so, so many ways just to, so that those things were, were going on, mm -hmm. I guess, before you started planning for the trials. Yeah. And I think the, the community was really having weathered the uh, uh, horrific storm mm -hmm. of what had occurred, um, more able to, to deal with the, uh, the trauma mm -hmm. of reliving these events. Yeah through trials. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess my last question is uh, what advice to other civic leaders, are, are there any pearls of wisdom you definitely want to be sure to pass on to other civic leaders who might someday find themselves in the same situation that you found yourself in at, at 920 that night in June in 2015? Well, you know, every bit of work that you do as a civic leader in uh, building bonds of respect and affection and friendship and uh, and responding to slights and concerns and, and needs the more uh, the more uh, infrastructure human uh, emotional infrastructure that you set in place um, the stronger you will be mm -hmm. great that's all my questions, Mayor. Thank you so much for You're your welcome. time today. We really appreciate it. Thank and, you. Um, thanks. This is Dan Smith, the Director of Technology and Resources for the NMVVRC, and we'll be back soon to talk with you uh, and a, another interesting guest. Thanks very much. <laughs>